Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. We have a system where you put on your case according to what you say happened, and I put on my case according to what I say happened, and the judge determines what the facts are. Whether they're true or not doesn't matter in you know absolute sense. It matters what the judge believed is true. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to part two of our special end-of-the-year double episode. And for those of you who are celebrating today, Merry Christmas. Um, Part of our gift to you will be part two of this episode with celebrity divorce attorney Christopher Melcher. If you did not listen to last week's part one of this episode, I highly encourage you to do so. Chris had a lot of great takeaways from celebrity cases that have been in the news to help you have a better divorce. And then he continues with me in this episode. We actually talk about several of the cases that you've been reading about lately. But again, always with the idea of pulling out those kernels, those golden nuggets that are going to help you have a better divorce. So listen in and learn what you can from Breaking Up Like the Stars. written one of the premier books on prenups, prenuptial agreements. And I know that many of your clients, I I would guess that a large part of what you do is creating those prenups and defending those prenups and and dealing with those prenups in all their iterations. What can uh, my average listener going through divorce learn from the celebrities or high-profile divorces on the the issue of prenups? Well, sure. This is... 
you know, my thoughts have evolved uh, quite a bit on this topic, and and I spent most of my career focusing on premarital agreements. And me and my my partner, Peter Walzer, were just kind of known for prenups. Yeah, I did create that treatise as a two year project and and as a practice guide for other lawyers on prenups. Um, but I'll tell you that I've stopped writing them. Uh, that was my New Year's resolution of um, last year. So as of this year, I've, I, I will no longer write premarital agreements. And one of the reasons is, is that I just don't like these transactions. I, I understand there are economic reasons, and, and particularly if there's kids of a prior marriage that need to be financially protected, and then there's going to be new spouse who needs to be financially protected. There's certainly an inherent conflict there between kids from prior relationship and new spouse. There is a very solid reason to have a prenup for that purpose. But in a lot of these other relationships, I find that there's this issue of power and control. There's kind of half-hearted going into a marriage there, there's people signing these agreements who have no idea what they're getting into, that they love this person, but they have no sophistication, never dealt with a lawyer, never had any money, and they don't even want to negotiate or question it because that would be a sign of disloyalty and they might ruin their relationship. So they end up signing one-sided, harsh, you-get-nothing-and-like-it deals, and then sometimes those are enforced. And so for me... At this point in my career, I just don't want to take part in it anymore. I will definitely litigate these things. So either defend, um, you know, if it's a valid agreement, I'll defend that in court uh, or try and have it set aside if I don't think it's valid. You know, with that big proviso there, yes, we see many celebs have prenups. And I understand why a lot of these relationships are not uh, for life. They're for three years. And it's very complex when you have an artist out there doing a bunch of work and creating things during that marriage that would be community property under California law. It is much easier in a divorce just saying, hey, whatever I do is my separate property, not subject to division. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, most people have it that, that have wealth. Now, for the rest of us, um, what can we learn from this? To me, the number one takeaway is that a prenup forces the couple to think about their finances in a way that other couples just don't. Uh, you know, most couples that are contemplating marriage will think about, well, when are we getting married? Where are we getting married? Who are we going to invite? Uh, do we want to have kids together? Do we want to stay in this area together? These type of things are discussed. They don't discuss, hey, if something is earned or bought during marriage, how is it going to be titled? Um, if one of us dies uh, during marriage, are we going to inherit the rest of that? If we break up, are you going to support me or am I on my own? Those are never discussed. But in a prenup, we force people to have that conversations. And we find sometimes they're on the same page. Many times they're not. Many times they don't understand the law, which of course they don't. And, and, and I've seen a lot of times where folks will say, hey, I thought once we got married, everything that you had is now ours. And now I'm learning that, no, that your premarital property is your separate property by law. They just didn't know that. But it came out through the prenup when we're writing it saying, yeah, of course, you know, whatever you brought to the marriage is your separate property by law. But a lot of people thought no. And, and now that we uncover that, that, you know, is going to avoid 
potentially some resentment if they can get over that fact. Um, because during marriage, had they not been alerted to that, they would think like, what do you mean this is your house? What do you mean that's your bank account? What do you mean that's your income stream? We're married. This is ours. No, by law, it's not if it's before marriage. So education about what are the legal rights and obligations of a marriage, understanding what uh, they're, who's going to pay what bills during marriage and who's going to pay something after separation or what are you going to get after death? That is extraordinarily healthy. And whether there's a prenup or not, I think every couple should be having that education and discussion with each other because otherwise they're getting into a marriage and sure, they got married at the right wedding and the right location and all that, but then they're in this miserable relationship because one person has all the money and the other person thinks that it should be shared. So that's what I like about prenups is forces that conversation. Now in the economics of it, you know, hey, that's between the parties, but I do think that there are advantages and disadvantages um, that sometimes result as, from these agreements. I agree with you. I've, I've done them in my career. I always have found them to be extremely uncomfortable situations. It's, it's, not a, it's not a negotiation that often feels like it's on equal terms, um, as, as you pointed out. But I agree with you as well that that type of a conversation is is not only healthy it's essential for a couple who's going into a marriage because as as we know and and listeners and so many people we find as they enter into divorce they don't realize when you enter into a marriage you're actually entering into a legal contract that you both have rights and obligations that arise out of that relationship and as you just so eloquently described people don't very often understand because when you go in and sign for that that uh, marriage license, no one sits you down and explains to you, you know, what you're getting into from a legal aspect. So I do I do agree that that's a very healthy conversation to be having. And we know the world is full of spenders and savers, and for some reason they marry each other all the time, and then we see them on the other side. But, you know, let me ask you, if you have time, I have a couple of cases that are in the news or have been in the news recently I wanted to get your take on. And one of them is a case where a prenup really caused a lot of, uh, really brought the case into the news, I would say. You and I both were on um, a bunch of different news outlets talking about Kevin Costner's divorce from his ex-wife, Christine. And that was a case where there was quite a bit of litigation very quickly. They were in court quite a bit, and much of it centered around uh, whether the prenup was going to be enforced, although that I don't believe was ever determined because they finally settled it. But there were spousal support and child support issues and the marital residence or the his residence. So I just, you know, that's the complete opposite case of the ones you were talking about earlier, where most of the time they happened behind closed doors. That one happened in Santa Barbara, you know, court every day, it felt like. What what can people learn from that case? Sure. So I, I follow that case closely uh, as a commentator for Fox News and Extra TV. And so I was in court watching the proceedings, looking at the court papers, talking to folks. And there's there's a lot of lessons out of this one. So you know, this is a long-term marriage. They're married for 20 years. They had three teenage kids. Um, you know, it was a lot of money made during marriage, but there's a prenup and the prenup said, you know, hey, whatever Kevin makes during marriage is going to be his separate property, that there was a 
provision to pay her some money on signing. I call signing bonus for the prenup. It was $200,000 she got. That money was tucked away, so it was now $400,000. And then it said, hey, if we ever break up in this length of marriage, 20 years, she gets a million bucks. So she was looking at walking away with $1.4 million, which, of course, is a lot of money and is a lot more than most people see. But compared to his wealth, which was well over $100 million, and we're probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, was nothing. Now, she did get child support, over $60,000 a month. So, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of child support there. You know, she was fighting for, for more, and, and probably it was appropriate that she would get more based on the wealth that he had. Why not? But what happened was this became very contentious, and it did start with a statement by Kevin, which was kind of really weird. And it wasn't a joint statement. It was a Kevin statement kind of saying, like, this is happening to me. I don't want this to happen So it was very weird. It wasn't the, hey, you know, we're consciously uncoupling. It was kind of like she's she's leaving and I don't want this to happen. So it was already like, okay, this is going to be a fight. We already know this can be a fight. Sure, they tried to settle quietly and quickly, but she had unrealistic expectations. And this is, you know, one of the takeaways for us um, is that, you know, you got to know what your case is worth. And if you oversell it, you're not going to get the money. And yes, there was a need for Kevin or desire, I'm sure, for Kevin to, you know, handle this in a quiet, dignified way. And maybe he would have paid a little bit extra to get that done quickly. But she didn't want just a little bit extra. She wanted a lot extra. And because she wanted so much, it forced it to court. And because it went to court, then all of this information, there was nothing about his conduct, but a lot of his financial information that was, you know, very private. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we're hearing like, you know, what's happening on these projects and how much his money he's making and what his houses look like. I mean, it was all laid out there in a public courtroom. The thing is, is that whatever power that Christine had over him about wanting to keep things quiet was now gone because it's all out there anymore. So that's that's another thing is, is that if if somebody has something over the other partner, once, you know, just like any good blackmailer, once you reveal it, (laughs) you have no you have no power. Once you drop your your uh, your your threat, once that's out there, you've got no more threat. But it's very true. And this was that definitely that case. Hello, amazing listeners. As we're navigating the complexities of divorce and beyond together, I've noticed how many of you are not just seeking personal growth, but are also passionate entrepreneurs and business-minded individuals. And that's why I want to introduce you to my other podcast, the Make Money Mediating Podcast. On Make Money Mediating, I dive into the world of business and entrepreneurship. It's a space where I share insights and strategies on how you can thrive in your professional life, especially if you're interested in the field of mediation or law, but really if you are a business person seeking success in any field. Each episode is packed with tips, stories, and bits of wisdom to help you grow your business and make an impact. So if you're someone who loves divorce and beyond, and you're looking to expand your business acumen or explore the world of mediation, the Make Money Mediating Podcast is your next must listen. Join me there after this episode and let's continue our journey of growth and success together.
Stay tuned for more from celebrity divorce attorney, Christopher Melcher, who's here with this special two-part episode, helping you break up like the stars. He's sharing lessons from celebrity splits for the non-famous. We're surrendering control. That's one thing that I'm always telling clients and that anyone listening to this should, should you know, think about if you're going into a dispute, you're surrendering control to somebody else to decide. And now you got to think about what uh, qualifications or limitations does that decision maker have? If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out next week's show because Kate Anthony will be back to help us launch our new year as she launches her new book. Kate's book, The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage, will be released on December 26th. And we are going to give you a sneak peek inside in the first episode of 2024. Don't miss it. And now we return to today's show. I'm not saying she was trying to extort him or any, any implications like that. But, you know, hey, you know, obviously he would want to keep it quiet, but now it's noisy and he survived from it. And actually he looked good. And, you know, this is so what's unpredictable about PR is that you would think he would look bad because he had all this money and he this guy spends crazy money on his lifestyle. And you would think it would be embarrassing or people would be like, I don't like that. But actually what happened was is that he looked more heroic. He was standing up against his greedy spouse. You know, this was the messaging. I'm standing up against my greedy spouse and I'm winning. And now all of a sudden people are like, we like this. And she was vilified and he looked good. You could never predict how that's going to come out, but that's how the story was shaped. So that emboldened him. And because she was losing so badly in court, she was really on her knees and had to make a deal. And, and it just, that was the configuration of that case. Had it been tried in a different courtroom, different setting, uh, she might have scored some early wins and he would have been on his knees and paid a lot more. But it just, the, the way, you know, and this is a lot of people blame their lawyers. You know, I, I have a horrible lawyer. I'm losing. No, I mean, it's the dynamic of it. It's, it's who's the judge? Uh, how does the judge see this? And sure, how, how is your lawyer framing it? But also what I noticed with Christine, her, she oversold her case. She was like, I want 120,000 support. No, I want 240,000 a month of support. They were eye-watering amounts. They were absolutely ridiculous. No kid needs that. These are, you know, kids living on a beach in Santa Barbara. They don't need $240,000 a month. It was for her. She made herself look greedy. And so had I been managing her PR, you know, I would have totally reworked this facade. Um, but she she set herself up to look bad and to make him look good. Yeah. And, and I think it was the quote from one of their hearings, uh, the child support hearing, where she testified that luxury was in her kid's DNA. I think that's the quote. I, I remember reading that in one of the, the news stories and thinking, this this case is over. This is, she's she's not going to recover from this, and in fact, they settled shortly thereafter. But that is a really important takeaway, I think, for people. Is something that you said here about you know depends on the court, depends on the day, depend. It could have gone different ways. There's another takeaway for people, right? These are these case. This case went to several hearings, but you never know how your case is going to turn out on that day in front of that judge. And we know this. We've been in those courtrooms. And as they say, you know, each courthouse has 
six different judges that might hear your case. And if you went and tried that case in front of all six, you'll get six different decisions. It's the same thing for your average listener, right? They, they don't know what's going to happen in a courtroom. Yeah, th this is something that is disheartening because, you know, we have this justice system, which is set up on if parties can't agree, we surrender that dispute to a decision maker, either a judge or a jury, if you have a right to a jury trial. And we have a system where you put on your case according to what you say happened, and I put on my case according to what I say happened, and the judge determines what the facts are. Whether they're true or not doesn't matter in you know, absolute sense. It matters what the judge believed is true. And now you're interjecting all these, you know, the bias of the judge, the inadequacy of the evidence, because had there been different witnesses and exhibits, maybe the judge would have said, oh, yeah, I do agree with you. But based on what you presented, I agree with them. So we're surrendering control. That's one thing that I'm always telling clients and that anyone listening to this should, should you know, think about if you're going into a dispute. You're surrendering control to somebody else to decide. And now you got to think about what uh, qualifications or limitations does that decision maker have? Are they really experienced in this? What are they going through in their own life? What biases do they bring to the table? Uh, how much attention are they really paying uh, to this case? How do they really care? Do they even have good judgment? Do they have any measure of common sense? And what what clients think is, of course, they're a judge. No. It, to me is, and I don't mean to demean in any of my judicial colleagues, because there are some excellent judges where this does not apply, but my statement I'm about to make applies to many of them. Go grab a person on the street, off the sidewalk, and say, let me tell you a little story. What do you think? And honestly, you're probably not going to get much of a better decision off the person on the street. And, and, and that's fine if you're like, hey, you know, should support be 50 grand or 60 grand? Who cares? Whether you're getting 50 or 60, you're going to obviously- I'll give you 55, by the way. Yeah. Right? I mean, who, who cares? Who cares about that? But if the decision is, is your kid going to move to Arizona and you're going to see your kid three times a year, you want somebody deciding that? This is, it's terrifying. But that's the system that we got. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. And we've all been in those courtrooms with the clients who are sure the judge is going to see it their way and walked out of that same courtroom with a judge who did not at all see it their way. And, and you just don't know. I want to get one last thought from you because we all, I have already mentioned this case. Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Furness, um, his wife, after 30 plus years of marriage, recently issued that joint statement about separating with love and their lives taking new paths. But they recently in the past week have unfollowed each other on social media. And so, of course, several news outlets have taken that to mean this divorce is is going nuclear. And I just would love your thought on the unfollowing, because I, I, honestly, it's something that I actually recommend to clients. Um, I don't think we need to be looking at each other's. Or do you think it does mean that this might be at one of those divorces like Kevin and Christine, where we're going to start seeing more in the news? 
Well, I hope not for them. I mean, it seems like if, you know, there was going to be some fighting that we would have seen it by now in court. And, you know, the unfollowing, it's like, sure, you know, hey, people are separating. They're going to go their own separate ways and and that, you know, also on social media. So, but, you know, the problem is, is that, again, there's such a demand and such a high interest in knowing about this or talking about it, not necessarily from the public, from the media, because the media thinks people are going to buy you know, clicks basically or, or views on these things. So that, that drives these stories. And, you know, my advice to couples like that is just, you got to lay a low profile. And if there's going to be a fight, let's, you know, try and do this in a private setting. So it doesn't hit the press because obviously if we have headlines on, you know, follow, unfollow stuff, they are going to pick up on every single little thing. And it's like vultures. These are going to come from the sky. I don't know where they come from, but they know it's there and they're going to pick it apart. So, you know, it's a good, good message to them that, hey, they still have a high enough profile where if they don't settle this thing quietly, it is going to, you know, boil over. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I agree with you. I hope that for Hugh and Deborah Lee's sake, things think that unfollow is just a healthy boundary that they're setting for each other. Well, Chris, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your insights and, you know, uh, just that ability to take what I know my listeners are seeing in the news and those cases that we are constantly bombarded with, but relate them to, you know, issues that my listeners are going through and things that they can learn from these. This has been really a helpful episode and I so appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Susan. Appreciate it. Before we leave, I don't want to leave without asking, how can people find out more about Walzer Melcher, about the law firm, about you, um, and get more information? Follow me on Twitter. It's my handle there is CA underscore divorce. I'm sorry, X now. I can't get used to that. But, <laughs> I know. Um, me neither. Yeah. You know, I, I don't post there all the time, but, you know, when I am following a story intently, um, intensely, I will post there on X. Um, also on LinkedIn, you know, I'm, I'm posting things there. If you're interested in legal services, uh, you know, you could just Google me and you'll find um, my law firm, WalzerMelcher.com in Los Angeles. Yeah, which I will have links to all of the above social media and the law firm in the show notes. But I do encourage you to go follow Chris, because if you want to get a true understanding of what's going on in these cases. As he mentioned, when he was following the Costner divorce, he was in the courtroom, he was looking at the the, the pleadings and the filings. Same thing when you were on and you were talking about the Free Britney movement and the conservatorship um, action, you were looking and reading the pleadings and, and pulling truly factual and legally informed comments about those cases. So not the media that were normal seeing, but but really important insights. So get more of those. Follow Chris on X, LinkedIn, and on the website. So thank you again so much for joining me, Chris. I hope you all enjoyed this special double episode for our end of the year. And I just want to wish everyone a very, very happy holiday season and a very, very, very happy new year as we go into 2024. I am looking forward to bringing you lots of fresh new content and wonderful guests and expert insights to help you get through your divorce in the best way possible so that you can thrive in your beautiful beyond. Thank you.
Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.